joining us for this week's episode of the RFI Global Digital Banker podcast. With me today is Steve Weston, who is the co-founder and CEO of Vault Bank. And Vault Bank is a digital bank that was the first Australian-owned startup business to receive a banking license since 1981. So to start with, Steve, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us about Vault and your experience in the financial services industry? Absolutely. And firstly, thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, I was looking forward to, to the session. Uh, yeah, so Vault, firstly, uh, we are one of two independently owned, fully licensed uh, banks uh, in Australia that were uh, established in the last few years. The other being Judo Bank, which focuses on uh, SME lending and the team there have done a, a great job. Uh, Vault has a different business model. Um, our key asset will be mortgage lending as opposed to SME lending and judo. Uh, um, but our primary point of differentiation uh, to the banking market is that we offer banking as a service capability. So we allow businesses to offer bank accounts and payment solutions uh, to their customers. Um, we have built a full range of deposit products. We've got half a dozen partners. They're in various stages of scaling up. Uh, we kicked our mortgage uh, business off a few months ago and it's going uh, gangbusters. So this year, 2022, is all about scaling up. So it's going to be a very uh, uh, fun time for the team who have built something that largely hasn't been seen by the public. Uh, so 2022 is an exciting uh, year. My background was in banking uh, for many years here in Australia uh, and then overseas uh, at Barclays. And um, I always had this belief that banking could be done in a better way and it needed to be done in a better way. And um, rather than trying to, to, to do it from within a large organisation, uh, I said, you know, mate, if you think you know what needs to be done, uh, why don't you stop talking about it and, and go and do it? And that's what we've done uh, at, at Vault. And uh, so 2022 will be the year um, that the rest of the world, or at least in Australia, gets to see it. Something I love about speaking to people who are in this sort of fintech startup industry is that idea of, well, we've, we're speaking about doing it, so why don't we just do it? And I think that's it's one of the key lessons that I've been seeing when, you know, when talking to people who have the ability to almost start from scratch or they're not held back by legacy systems or they can really start with technology or start with, you know, what needs to be done, the needs they're addressing and actually start with that or thinking about, you know, customer-first approaches and would I mean, are there any other lessons that you have carried into Vault Bank from that vast experience in the financial services industry? Absolutely. And uh, you just reminded me of, of uh, that moment where I'd been thinking about doing something in the banking space. But as you said, there hadn't been a startup getting a banking licence in Australia you know, mm -hmm. since the early 1980s. Uh, and you needed really $100 million worth of capital. And no one's going to give you that sort of money uh, just on, on spec. Um, but the Australian government in 2017 copied what had happened in the UK and they said, look, we want to bring more competition into the Australian banking market. And they made some changes that would make it possible uh, for a startup to get a banking licence. And I was watching the Australian budget uh, being announced live on TV and it was our current Prime Minister, uh, Scott Morrison, who was the Treasurer at the time. And uh, he had a three-minute burst, I guess. And it was like, oh, I know what comes next. It's a digital bank. But who's going to do it? And if, I feel a bit weird now. It's like a third person. And then in that moment, uh, I said, that's you. And I didn't sleep that night mapping out a business plan, started phoning people 6 a.m. the next day, and kind of the rest is uh, the rest is history. But going back to my uh, experiences, and I did start as a 15-year-old, as a teller, 
and work my way up. So always had a real affinity with customers and helping people with uh, with problems. And the more senior roles you got to, you went from being able to help one individual uh, person, maybe with a complaint or needing a mortgage or a business, uh, uh, helping a business grow, to being able to help many more. Uh, what we're doing with Vault will be able to, to I think, change uh, the industry for the uh, for the better. But a couple of key learnings, the power of, of people, uh, and that's all stakeholders, customers, staff, doing the right thing uh, and the like is really important for what we've done, um, leveraging uh, and really harnessing what data and digital can, can do, both to run an efficient, low-cost business, but also to help customers live uh, better financial uh, lives, and, and that's easier said than done. Um, but my last banking role prior to, uh, to starting Vault was at Barclays Bank in the, uh, in the UK, uh, where I was on the senior leadership team. And we had all the sorts of issues that Australian banks ha have seen through the Royal Commission and probably some others. And I've become quite a student about what had gone wrong. How was it that, you know, uh, good people that you work with, uh, uh, you know, over decades had got banking into a situation where there'd been this loss of, of, of trust. Uh, and not that that's the topic today, um, but certainly the foundations of Vault are around people and around doing the right thing, leveraging digital capability. And, um, you know, there are pros and cons about being a startup. Uh, one of the pros of having a clean sheet of paper and being able to build a bank uh, without any constraints around legacy technology, legacy thinking, that genuinely will uh, help customers live a better financial life. And we're not a charity. Uh, the shareholders will do well out of it as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about building trust and thinking about what, what needs to be done to actually build that trust. And something that RFI data did see is really key when building customer trust. So we looked a lot into you know, what's important to, to customers post-Royal Commission, thinking about that trust that was lost with some of the major institutions. And I mean, I saw on your website, there's some mentions about transparency and clear customer language. And I think there's something really, really valuable in, in banking products being offered in a way that's really clear, really easy to understand. And especially when thinking about, you know, drawing in customers, customers feeling confident in the products they have, or, you know, even thinking from an acquisition perspective about drawing customers in based on making it a friendly product, making it really clear, you know, minimizing jargon. Is that something that's really consciously been embedded in decision-making, you know, thinking about customers? I couldn't have said it better. We're super conscious about that. And um, one thing that still irritates me to some degree about the banking industry, and remember, I did come from the banking industry and, and, and I want a lot, and I, I, I love it, um, but I do want to be part of, of making it better. Um, we will hear banks um, talk about the Royal Commission and apologise to customers for, for the sins of the past and, and say, look, we're, we're, we're fixing them up, we're doing remediation programs, but we now truly are going to put our loyal customers at the heart of what we do. And the bank staff on mass are cheering for that because that's really what they wanted to do, but the system uh, was broken. But we've got a long way to go in it. Uh, even if I looked at, just let me pick one product, a savings account. Um, in Australia, if you go to the major banks, you know, you might get 0 0.2, 0.3% for a few months, uh, or you've got to deposit a certain amount each month uh, to get a good rate. Um, but the vast majority of people then fall just to the ongoing rate, and it could be 0 0.01, 0 0.05 or 0 0.1. Now, that rate 
is lower than what customers should be getting. But as a banking industry, we know that, but we still put up with it. And if you go and ask banks, hey, look, when you talk about putting your loyal customers at the heart of what you do, why is it they get a better rate, the new customers get a better rate than the loyal customers? And then the, the loyal customers have to either change banks every few months or they have to you know, remember to deposit a certain amount and those sorts of things. And the banks will say something like this. Hey, hey, look, Steve, Anna, uh, we're not breaking any rules, any regulations. The terms and conditions clearly say that this is what will uh, uh, happen. Um, by the way, almost all banks do this. So you, you lull yourself into this uh, false sense of security that, that it is okay. If you are putting the customer's interests at the, at the heart of what you do, you know that offering 0.01 or 0.05 is not flash for a savings account and the, and the rate should be uh, higher. Uh, so in Vault's case, we, not, we may not be the fifth biggest lender uh, or bank in Australia anytime uh, soon, but we've come out with a savings account and it's got a simple rate. It's a good rate. It's you know, better than the majors. Uh, but what you see is what you get. And the feedback from our um, um, customers to date, uh, particularly those who are over the age of 50, funnily enough, is hallelujah. Finally, what I see is what I get without all the mucking around. So there are good examples of banks wanting to do the right thing, but there are still more to be done, but there's no incentive for them to change. Uh, so someone like Volt coming along and saying, look, we can do it differently, and then throwing out the challenge to the other, I think, is what you'll see Volt do uh, in mortgage lending uh, as well. It's a good point around the fact that you can be really transparent with your product, but your products can be not great from a customer perspective. So you can really transparently say our rate is 0.05 after the first four months. And, yep. you know, you've ticked the transparency box, but it doesn't make the product actually suit what customers need, which is the ability to accumulate savings, particularly in an environment where, you know, it is quite a low rate environment. So customers are looking for what they can get. And the customers who aren't comfortable investing outside of savings account, you know, who aren't really high risk or looking to try a new form of investment, they just want a really good rate that's really straightforward and doesn't run out in a way that, right. oh no, I've, I've noticed that my rate is now off the bonus rate, what do I do? And very few customers are the kind of rate chasing customers that every four months they find a new bank because, I mean, how many banks? How long up. do you do that for? Exactly. You give up. Yeah. We'll, we'll come along and say, uh, you know, here is an offering that is designed to be customer friendly. It's simple. It's transparent. And then with open banking, you know, the more people that we can get to aggregate their banking data on the Vault app, we'll help point out, do you know you're on 0.01 or 0.05? And you could be on 0.9 with Vault. It's our current rate. And this is how easy it is to open uh, an account. So uh, little steps, but certainly uh, Vault will look to play a leadership role in changing banker, banking uh, in Australia for the better. And you mentioned, so you mentioned open banking, which I think is a good transition to um, what you mentioned earlier, which was banking as a service. So could you explain to our listeners what banking as a service is and, you know, kind of give us a bit of a, bit of a de definition? Absolutely. And uh, I should say up front, quite often, Andy, you'll hear uh, terms banking as a service uh, or embedded finance or integrated finance. And people say, are they different? Are they the same? Um, they are the same. Uh, they are just uh, coming from the point of view of a business uh, or, a, or a bank. So if I'm a business, uh, I want to do more business uh, with my customers. I want to tailor my offerings. I want to remove payment friction, 
Um, so I will offer bank accounts and payment solutions in my customer journey. Um, uh, and we, the business will refer to that as embedded finance or integrated finance. As a bank at Vault, uh, we offer the banking infrastructure, bank accounts, payment services and the like to businesses to on offer uh, to their customers. Vault will refer that to that as banking as a service. So we're talking about one and the same thing. Um, when we were establishing uh, Vault a few years ago, um, we looked at what customers uh, would want to live better financial life, but we also looked at what would the future banking business model look like and where would customers be acquired from. And almost all industries would move down a platform uh, route with ecosystems. If you had customers, uh, you would want to do more with them than just offer them the business that you, you had. And quite often that was going to involve uh, access to banking products and payments. Uh, there could be, with customer consent, data sharing. So as a business, you could tailor your offering uh, to your to your customers. We also knew that to do that, businesses would effectively need to become banks and almost all of them wouldn't want to do that. It's just it's too difficult uh, to do. So their option is to go and partner with banks. Uh, we also knew that uh, for banks to offer banking as a service capability, it's incredibly hard to build from a technology perspective and then to integrate with your legacy tech. Uh, and also there is a big mind shift uh, shift required because as a traditional bank, you own the customer relationship and you want to promote and cross-sell other products when the customer needs them. With banking as a service, the customer belongs to the business. The business says, it is this point on my customer's journey that I want to offer a payment or a bank account and the like. And uh, in Volt's case, uh, you know, we are, um, uh, you know, work to the instruction of the uh, business about where that happens. So effectively, the commercial motivation um, uh, for Vault and the customer motivation is customers in the future will more often than they have in the, ever in the past do their banking through their trusted uh, partner. It will be a less contested area of banking to acquire customers from Vault. So we'll be able to acquire customers at a lower cost of acquisition than if we had TV advertising or social media. And we'll have that in small degrees. Um, but uh, the return on investment of, of spending, you know, a few years, uh, quite a lot of money in building this banking as a service um, uh, platform is already starting to uh, um, pay dividends. Do you have some use case examples of banking as a service uh, sort of benefiting customers in a particular way? Yeah, we, we, we do. Um, if I use just a couple and, and maybe uh, bounce through a, a couple of others, um, so the first would be uh, with AFG, the big mortgage broker. They, they originate one in 10 mortgages in Australia. Um, we in some way have helped them become a bank without being a bank. They're, they're not a bank, but they have an AFG white label app where their customers can see all their bank accounts, credit card, loans. They can budget. They can uh, more easily apply for a loan through their AFG broker uh, and the like. Uh, we built an AFG white label digital mortgage, uh, which... You know, AFGs are saying the average time for a customer to get an unconditional uh, mortgage approval is 21 days. At the moment, you know, we are not far off, off instant. So there's, it's not, you know, a couple of days better. It's transformationally uh, better. So that for AFG uh, improves their customer experience. Um, they will in time have AFG branded deposit accounts and the like. So they kind of become a bank 
and their customers are theirs and you're not worried about if you send them to uh, bank A, the bank A, you know, gets them to open a credit card and a transaction account and then their bank A's a customer. So that's a really, really big deal uh, for AFG. Um, one of the large digital currency exchanges, BTC Markets, they have 350,000 uh, traders. Uh, we have helped the money movement when customers are buying, selling digital currency to be much easier. If the customer is happy to open a vault bank account, the money transfer is instant. There's back channeling of info to let BTC uh, know that Enter has just deposited $2,000 to, to you know, cover that Bitcoin uh, order and the like. Um, and that is a big, big deal, a global first in, in that way. Uh, and also always a concern for digital currency exchanges about uh, either being debanked or when their customer, when Anna actually wants to transfer money uh, to settle a trade, uh, that it's blocked and she gets a phone call from the bank, all of those sorts of things. Uh, we also uh, work with the bank, the global leader in banking as a service, uh, Rails Bank or Rails Payers, we call them in Australia, and a couple of use cases there. One is uh, Parpera, who really were the first uh, firm in, a, in Australia to leverage banking as a service. And they provide uh, a whole range of products and services to SMEs. Um, and they're one of, of those uh, use cases. And also, uh, you may be familiar with uh, Doe, uh, who are listed on the stock exchange and they have business activities here in Australia and in the uh, US. Uh, they've built great budgeting capability and uh, digital currency uh, uh, trading capability, um, but they're not a bank. So the bank accounts behind the scenes will be offered by uh, Vault Bank through Rails uh, Pay. And the reason um, uh, Doe chose to work with uh, Rails Pay, they want to expand internationally. And so they can have one integration into Rails Pay and then they can open in Singapore and the US and UK and, and the like. So they're just some of the use cases. But I have to say the demand from businesses uh, is enormous. Uh, the breadth of use cases uh, is equally as broad. And uh, we certainly have got more than 100 um, businesses. It's well over 100 now between ourselves and, and RailsPay of people who want to uh, offer embedded finance uh, to their customers. Seems like there's a real opportunity for a lot of growth. And you mentioned global expansion. You mentioned, you know, even acquisition or retention opportunities where traditionally a, a client may lose a customer because of not being not offering that product, like in the broker scenario. However, through this solution, you can actually integrate it all into one, which seems like something that would help both the customer quite clearly, but also the organisation in you know meeting their goals, expanding, retaining customers, offering customers something they traditionally have not been able to offer. Hundred percent right. You look at it through the you know a mortgage broker's perspective, they get paid. Uh, with an upfront commission on, on the amount of the mortgage or the amount of the loan, and they get a trailing uh, commission. Uh, so the longer the customer has a loan, you know, the more commission you earn. But if the customer takes their next mortgage, you know, directly through the bank, the broker would reduce the customer too. They don't get that upfront in the future and they lose uh, the trail. So there's a real economic alignment, but there's also just the uh, customer experience to go from, a 21 working day uh, on average to get an unconditional approval to be almost instant. It changes the life of the broker. You know, the customers are, are shaking their head in bewilderment. The last time I got a mortgage, it took forever and I had all these paperwork and you're kind of telling me it, it's done. Uh, it, it doesn't feel right. So the feedback, we often hear the words transformational, revolutionary uh, from brokers. And that's one of the benefits 
of being a uh, startup, you can build without all the legacy constraints. You can build what, in our case, brokers and customers or businesses and, and customers in the banking as a service world need. Yeah, we definitely see that among our the surveys that we do for mortgage customers, we see that the actual time for approval is a real pain point for some cohorts. So the ability to you know meet expectations or just absolutely exceed them from you know 21 days to less days than that, even dramatically fewer days than that, I think would be such a great customer experience. And again, one more point towards that customer going, okay, maybe I'll stay with this provider. Maybe I'll maintain this relationship with the broker rather than, you know, shopping around or really looking outside of, you know, where they already are. And, and correct, Erin, I touched before on the savings account example where you get a half reasonable rate for a few months and then a, and then a lousy rate. Uh, we also have a similar situation in mortgage world, and I'm sure your studies uh, will have picked that up, as have the ACCC and RBA and the like. And uh, I've now described it, and I think others have it as a loyalty tax. If you are a, a loyal variable rate customer that's had a mortgage with your bank for more than a couple of years, if you went back to borrow the same amount to buy your same house and the circumstances you know, haven't changed, you're probably getting half percent lower rate as a new customer but, but I heard your bank say that you look after the loyal customers it doesn't feel like that so um, what we will uh, help is you know really quick uh, refinancing of mortgages you know at a at a much uh, lower rate and uh, we've heard time and time again from mortgage brokers where the customer will ask the bank you know for a lower rate they know they're paying more than a new customer and the bank will say I'll give you 0.1% or something like that. So the customer goes off the broker, uh, gets the refinance approved, uh, and the existing bank uh, retention team will get back on the phone and say, Anna, what are you doing? Uh, well, I'm going to Vault Bank uh, because the interest rate's half a percent cheaper and you will only give me 0.1 off. Oh, no, we'll match it and we'll pay you some money to stay in the like. Now, that, that is, that, that, you know, just from a moral perspective is not great. You know, commercially, it may make sense. But it annoys uh, brokers and it annoys uh, customers, you know, why didn't you do it in the first place? So what we'll, we'll do is work with the brokers, do a very quick approval. And then in, in uh, many cases, we'll go and pay out the existing uh, lender. So it bypasses their retention team. So bank, you did have your chance to retain the customer and you chose uh, not to. Um, so you don't deserve the business. So things like that, 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 that will help um, our partners, mortgage brokers in this case. So, you'll see that theme of whilst we have a direct uh, to customer business, the majority of our business will come via partners. Yeah, it seems like a great solution for both brokers, but also customers because you're just reducing the game playing. It's just more straightforward and that's what customers want. They just want a good rate. They want it to be suitable for their specific situation and they don't want to be fooling around, going back and forth with different contacts, having someone say, no, no, we can't match. Oh, now we can match because you've got an offer on paper. And look, we do need open banking for mortgages. I've been writing mortgages since uh, the early 90s and in senior roles from, from you know, 2000 in mortgage world. I can't tell what interest rate, variable interest rate I will get by looking at banks' websites. There's always discount off these rates. So customers don't know. So they don't even get the transparency right. And that's where uh, open banking will help. Uh, the second part, though, it's a bit like the saving account example. Inertia is high. You know, where do I go? The last time I got a mortgage, you know, an experience that I never want to go through again. So I'll just cop it. Uh, and that's where Vault working with mortgage brokers to say, hey, this process 
is so simple compared to what you would expect. And really within a week, we could have you refinanced out a week. Well, on average, it'd be taking two months to do a refinance at the moment. That, that, is, that is game changing. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have, I mean, thinking about all these opportunities for, for Vault to really help customers, but also help different organisations, you know, brokers, um, different industry partners, what, what goals does Vault have for the, for the coming year and what would you say you're most looking forward to? Uh, and this year is all about scaling up. So we'll build a mortgage product and we'll do SME and personal loan uh, later, but mortgages, we've got a full range of deposit accounts and not just for consumers. Uh, for small business, for corporate, for institutions, for self-managed super funds, and they'll be distributed uh, directly via our app uh, through deposit brokers who are growing in popularity. Mortgage brokers are now two and three uh, mortgages in the in, in new mortgages in the in the country, and deposit brokers are picking up. Uh, but most of our customers will come through our banking as a service uh, relationships. Um, so largely, what we have built has not been exposed to the market, and we've got eight thousand uh, customers. Um, but we haven't ever opened to the, uh, the public and we haven't got any of our partners at full scale. So this year is really about scaling up. And uh, what I'm most looking forward to is for our team uh, who are as excited as anything, but haven't been able to largely go out and show their family and friends and ex-work colleagues what it is they've been building. Uh, we're going to be able to do that this year. So it's it's an example of... Um, uh, two things that I'm really looking forward to and I'm sure I'm going to be very proud as we team. One is that even as a small player, we'll be able to show that banking can be done in a better way uh, for all stakeholders, but particularly customers, and that uh, will be an example uh, for other banks. Well, if Vault can do it, why can't you? And we'll be quite vocal about that. Uh, but the other part is our wonderful uh, team who are desperate to show the world what it is that they have created, uh, and to be able to see that, I'm, I can't wait. I've got a bell uh, that I ring, and uh, it's going to be ringing a fair bit this year. <laughs> that sounds great, and I love the idea of you know making banking better, you know, raising that bar for existing providers, you know, redefining what customers are expecting, making things easier, making products better suit the needs. I think it's it's really exciting and the idea of scaling up i mean it's it's a good year for it i think everyone's ready for something new ready for a change ready for things to be a little bit easier so i think you're in a really good spot to to really help customers and also just you know shake up the industry a little bit uh, bring it on. Hang on. <laughs> fantastic um for the listeners who are interested in learning a little bit more about vault do you recommend they just have a look at your website absolutely okay. yeah absolutely Perfect. Well, you can always you. track me down too. I don't mind talking, as you know. Uh, so <laughs> have a chat with him. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us for this episode. It was really great talking to you and hearing about your experience and the learnings from the financial services experience that you have. And then also just, you know, hearing about banking as a service and, and what Vault is planning. I'm really looking forward to seeing, seeing what happens in the next year or, you know, year and two years. And I'm sure many of our listeners will be keeping a keen eye on uh, what Vault's been doing. Thanks, Dana. Thanks for your time today. No worries.